today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If it's wrong, nothing's right. You better get that cornerstone, that chief cornerstone perfectly positioned before you go any further. And once it is, then you can. Do you see where the spiritual metaphor is in comparison and analogy? Jesus is that chief cornerstone. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Whether you're building a house with a contractor or playing Legos with your children, establishing a firm foundation is vital. As Pastor J.D. teaches today, Christ is the cornerstone foundation for the church. In his study, we'll discover why this is an important reminder in today's culture. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Isaiah chapter 27 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. The Lord has a mighty and strong one, like a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, like a flood of mighty waters overflowing, who will bring them down to the earth with his hand. The crown of pride, the drunkards of Ephraim, will be trampled underfoot. And, verse 4, the glorious beauty is a fading flower which is at the head of the verdant valley, like the first fruit before the summer, which an observer sees. He eats it up while it is still in his hand. A lot of imagery here. He's painting a prophetic picture on the canvas of this curse upon them. And it seems that in their drunkenness and pride, they chose to place their trust in the Egyptians to protect them from the Assyrians, instead of putting their trust in the Lord. Verse 5, in that day, The Lord of hosts will be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of His people. For, verse 6, a spirit of justice to Him who sits in judgment, and for strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. But, verse 7, they also have erred through wine, and through intoxicating drink, are out of the way. Listen to this. The priest and the prophet have erred through intoxicating drink. They are swallowed up by wine. They are out of the way through intoxicating drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment, for all tables, and this is graphic, are full of vomit and filth. 
no place is clean. This is a, again, graphic description of what was happening there in northern Israel. It seems that the priests were all drunkards. They were all intoxicated all the time, swallowed up by the wine. And clearly this is an explicit indictment on drunkenness, being a drunkard, which replete throughout Scripture is a sin. And it also, in a very picturesque way, describes the consequences of erring in judgment and those consequences that always ensue as a result. Verse 9. Now this is where it gets kind of interesting. Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Effects added. That's not in the original. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? <laughs> those just weaned from milk, those just drawn from the breasts, for precept upon, must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there, I'm doing that too well maybe. <laughs> you know what's happening here, don't you? These drunkards are mocking Isaiah. <laughs> Who, who are you going to teach? Who, who are you going to make to understand? Kids? Infants? Toddlers? In other words, they are actually mocking Isaiah's message. And if that weren't bad enough, they're also mocking Isaiah's method of simply teaching them God's Word line upon line. And they're mocking Him for it. For with stammering lips, the Apostle Paul actually quotes this verse in 1 Corinthians. Uh, can't recall chapter and verse offhand, I think. For with stammering lips and another tongue, He will speak to this people to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But, verse 13, the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little that they might go and fall backward, and be broken, and snared, and caught. I love this. Isaiah, it seems, is not only taking this as a compliment to him, but he's also saying that the simplicity of the message is stumbling to them. Now think this through with me. The gospel 
is childlike simple. And here are these arrogant drunkards in northern Israel were like, come on, you're insulting our intelligence. That's the last one. I won't do another one. But you're, come on, we're, they fancy themselves as being sophisticated, pompous and pious and educated. And if you can just picture them with that hat and the pipe and Oh, here we go again, line upon line, precept upon precept. I mean, there he goes again, simply teaching God's Word, simply. Go teach the children then. Okay. As Jesus said, unless you become like this little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven, that childlike simplicity. Might I add childlike humility, childlike faith, childlike trust. When our boys were little during our devotions, I would have them, you know, you, you probably did this too, the, the fall back, you know, um, where, where, where they have to trust you, in their childlike trust to catch them when they would fall back. <laughs> I actually deliberately didn't do it one time, and I think I scarred them for the rest of their lives. But the whole idea was to put your... <laughs> explains a lot, but <laughs> they're older now and it, it, it's showing. But, you know, <laughs> you, they, they fall back and you catch them. They're putting their trust completely in you. It's a childlike trust. And that's what's happening here. It was a stumbling block to them. It was too simple for them. And again, it was an insult to their intelligence. Therefore, verse 14, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men, who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. Oh, notice he's kind of turning a corner here. Because, verse 15, you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. Now what's happening here? Well, this is now directed to southern Judah. Everything heretofore was to the northern tribes of Israel, Ephraim. And so what Isaiah is prophesying here is a warning to southern Judah, those in Jerusalem, to learn from northern Israel because they were, again, fancying themselves as being confident and secure in all of their obstinance and arrogance. Ah, oh, this isn't going to happen to us. And so Isaiah prophesies to Judah, those in Jerusalem, and says, take note. Kind of like that saying, mark my words. Uh, the proverb uh, comes to mind, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it is the way that ends in death. 
And that's exactly what they had done. They thought they were fine. Everything was good. It, it, they, they were on the right path. But that path that they were on led to death. They had made a covenant with death. Therefore, verse 16, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Does this verse sound familiar to you? It should. It's replete throughout Scripture. Of course, in the New Testament, you'll find it over and over again, even from the Savior Himself. Because this is speaking about Jesus the Christ as that precious cornerstone, that sure foundation. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to spend a little time on this, and I want to start with the Apostle Peter, who references it in his first epistle, chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture. And then he quotes Isaiah, chapter 28, verse 16, where we just read. It is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And then Peter by the Spirit says, And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame, disappointed. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Just bear with me on a brief description of the profound importance of that cornerstone as the foundation. In construction, in building, in that day, at that time, and you can see it in Israel today. Many of you who have been to Israel with us have seen these firsthand. These stones are massive. Don't think about, you know, cinder block concrete construction. I mean, those are like 
toothpicks compared to what you see in, in the Middle East, and in, particularly in Israel. So they would take these stones weighing tons, and before any stone would go into the ground as the foundation, they would have to position perfectly the cornerstone first before anything. And everything was gauged by, fitted with, and built upon that cornerstone. If that cornerstone wasn't true, wasn't precise, wasn't perfect, forget about it. The whole building. If it's wrong, nothing's right. You better get that cornerstone, that chief cornerstone perfectly positioned before you go any further. And once it is, then you can. Do you see where the spiritual metaphor is in comparison and analogy? Jesus is that chief cornerstone. First and foremost, He is the foundation, and He is perfect and in place. And everything, all the other stones in relationship one with another, that relationship stone with stone was predicated upon the chief cornerstone. Everything had to fit. Everything was gauged and measured by that cornerstone. That's how important it was. The paramount importance, all important. And Jesus spiritually is that chief cornerstone upon which the foundation and the building is built. I want to draw your attention to a parable that Jesus taught. It's to me one of the most astounding parables in all of Scripture, particularly in the Gospels. I want to begin reading in verse 24, Matthew 7, Jesus teaching, speaking. He says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But, verse 26, you know, this is going <laughs> this is going the wrong direction, right? But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now I want you to just make a couple of observations about these two builders in this parable. It seems they had a lot in common. They were both building a house. Apparently they went to the same church. 
because they were hearing the same word that was preached, the word of God, the word of Christ. And they also apparently um, have built their houses by the time this storm hit. And the only difference between these two builders was that one built on the sand and the other on the rock. So when, not if, when that storm hit and that storm will hit, that house built on the rock stood but the house that was built on the sand. And it's interesting that Jesus would, would include this detail that it didn't just fall, but it was a great fall. So here's the point of the parable. The one who built his house on the rock was the one who not only heard the word, but was a doer of the Word. That's the only difference between these two builders. The other guy, he heard the same Word, but he walked away, like James says, being merely a hearer of the Word, not a doer of the Word. And he did not put into practice, apply the Word of God to his life. And that was the only difference, and it made that much of a difference. So the question becomes this, upon which foundation have I built my Christian life? I'll tell you, when the storms of life, the trials of life hit, you had better be on the rock. Otherwise you're going down. You know how it is here in Hawaii, whenever they have the hurricane warnings and everybody's out there getting the boarded, the plywood and boarding up their windows, prior, preparing. Once that storm hits, it's too late. You know, just real quick, I I might just share the Reader's Digest version. You younger people have no idea what a Reader's Digest version is, but that's all right. It's the abbreviated version. When our daughter Noelle died, we were grounded in the Word of God. In fact, just yesterday we uh, had um, my wife's cousin over for dinner. We were just talking story, and uh, he was sharing about this uh, other couple that had a trisomy 18 child like us. And uh, it was a boy. He died, just like our daughter Noelle. And they ended up splitting up. And it was just statistically, what we were told, that couples who experience the death of a child, it's something like 95 plus percent of them end up in a divorce because the grief is so intense. The the strength of that kind of storm is so strong, and if you're not on the rock, you're going down. 
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged as you learn some good things from the book of Isaiah. Did you realize that there are 39 chapters in Isaiah that address judgment and 27 chapters that point to God's salvation? How fascinating that this book relates to 39 books of the Old Testament, much about judgment of sin, and 27 books of the New Testament, pointing to Jesus as God's salvation for the world. Isaiah is yet another example of how God interweaves the old with the new, and how prophecies from old point to fulfillment of that later. Are you seeing the connections that God has written into these pages of Isaiah? If you're wanting to hear this message again or more like it, you can find them at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can learn more about the church this ministry is supported by, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. If you're not already plugged into a local church, we invite you to be part of our church family. If you're in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love for you to come visit us on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from the book of Isaiah. We look forward to the next edition with Pastor J.D. and the things that God has put on his heart to share from this prophetic book. Thanks again for listening today to In Spirit and Truth. Holy.